Hey, Pronosos, welcome back to the podcast. Excited to have you. I'm Bruce from Printavo, Bruce from Inktavo, and Bruce from Campus Inc. Um, <laughs> and we've got Stephen here, Campus Inc. <laughs> um, hey, um, we got part two actually today. Kevin Baumgart's here on his birthday, um, celebrating it with sales tips. Um, really cool stuff. I, I think the biggest thing is just where should your sales team like be at like long-term, what should it look like? How should it function? How should it work? Those are some of the things that we dove into today. Excited to get into it. And Kevin's going to announce some at the end of the podcast that he's working on. Um, true. For true. Our hint, hint, so. Sales.inc. All right. Oh, gosh. All right. Who Go ahead, Steven, pick one. All right. Do you need a solution to improve efficiency and reduce costs in your art department? If you go to 1900 Hot Stuff, there you'll find Graphic Source. Graphic Source offers industry leading outsource options for your shop by truly becoming a part of your team. They plug and play with Printavo and other shop management software. So when it comes to SEPs, mockups, creative art, order management, embroidery, digitizing, back office admin, and customer service, there's no better company in our industry to work with. With over 30 years in the game, they really know and understand shop needs. Hit up Graphic Source uh, for your art staffing needs. We've got three full-time graphics artists and back office admins. Use the Printavo pod for 50% off your first vector, SEP, or embroidery order. Next level, next stop, no. It's the next gen transfer from Supercolor. Uh, <laughs> Supercolor has innovated its transfers and making them way easier to use. And here's why they have worked with so many different heat presses at their facility here in California uh, with one of their founders, a mad professor of heat transfers, to make it so much more flexible and easier to peel. So they know that you've got a lot more confidence when the transfers are easier to peel. When you've got more confidence, you can decorate faster, and that means you can make more money. So now, regardless of the type of equipment that you're using, Supercolor wants to make that experience super fast and super easy. Give their stuff a try. Uh, you can obviously get 15% off your first order. You know the code. Printavo one five. Thanks, Supercolor. Bruce, you shouldn't spend all day cleaning dirty screens because um, you got a heat press behind you now. I see that. Uh, Easyway's line of environmentally conscious chemicals will get the job done faster, more efficiently, and will cost you a fraction of the cost per screen. At Campus Inc., we use 701 and 842. These are Campus Inc.'s favorite Easyway chemicals, and um, they're environmentally friendly. So if you value a company to help with how-tos, best practices, and questions, easy way is there. Give it a go. They are the easiest way. Thanks so much, easy way team. Steven, who's your daddy? Um, well, uh, I heard that he doesn't like pepperoni pizza, so... So not Multicraft underscore daddy with now featuring 725 followers. Oh, <laughs> um, if you haven't heard of Multicraft underscore daddy, you need to go follow him right now, because if you need ink supplies or a daddy, their screen printing and, and digital supplies for over 50 years has been providing you with top brands at competitive prices. If you mention the Printavo pod, um, actually, wait, we have a little bit of a new special. Um, our number one fan, Multicraft Daddy, heard that we wanted to give away some supplies and he answered, we're sweetening it up. Dave and PMI Tape are giving away one free case per episode. 
uh, of PMI split tape and it's daddy branded. This is for new customers only to win DM and follow Dave, subscribe to the podcast, follow PMI tape, leave a nice comment, tell Dave how much you love him and he'll pick out a new winner each week. Thanks so much, Dave. We appreciate you. Let's jump on in. We're back. What's up? Hey guys. All right, part two. We, I mean, we could just dive right in unless there's anything else of note to mention. Uh, last episode, if you didn't watch it, watch part one first. I think it'd be better than to just jump into this. This is part two with none other than Coach Kev, your one and only surf coach slash sales coach. Kevin, if you, if you didn't listen, this is the first one, does a ton of consulting for a lot of different shops, specifically on sales. So whether you have no sales reps and you're trying to dive in, to doing that, or you have 10 and you're trying to really streamline and create a good process or hire a, a manager or a VP. He's been helping a ton of shops do that. Pretty cool niche, actually. Anyway. Kevin, it's your birthday. Oh, shit. It is. Oh, it is my, my birthday. Happy yeah. birthday. And, and when too. I woke up, I was like, man, I, I would want none other than to talk to you two on this pod. Thirty looks great on you. At, uh, at five or six, whatever time. Though. Yeah, right. At five in the evening. Yeah. No, I'm, dude. I'm happy birthday! Cat, I totally man. forgot. Thanks for saying that, Ferg. Do you guys enjoy your birthdays? I think after thirty, they're like, they're like okay. Chrisette loves it, so she'll like want to do like more special stuff. For me, it's like, yeah, same. Like my wife really enjoys when it's my birthday and like doing things, and it's like I don't really care. But yeah, yeah it's. Uh, I would rather not celebrate it, I guess. We'll record this. So, yeah, glad this is recording so she can hear it. Um. <laughs> uh, hi. Yeah, does Allison um, listen to right. the Pronounces podcast? All right. So last time we got into a bunch of different stuff, custom um, drop-off, sales commissions, uh, quote and hoping, myths of a CRM, um, those are a couple of the summary ones. We've got a bunch more to dive into. I actually just emailed you guys. The ones that are not started are the ones we should cover, um, unless there's other ones. So where do we want to start? I'm going to start with uh, know your niche, know your niche. Steven makes fun of how I say niche. Know, know your niche uh, and, and or selling via, via like peer influence. So most... Most shops that I talk to have like their their niche that they're really good at. They know their markets. Like for for Dylan at Upstate, it's comics. For Justin at Oklahoma Shirt Company, it's churches, right? Eric at Night Owls, it's bands. Like everyone has one of their markets that they really sell into heavily, right? Um, and everyone that's on that's listening is probably thinking about like their core market, who they're really good at, what they're good at selling into from a target perspective. So my my sales hack here is exploit that, like really push that you are the provider of printed custom apparel for that specific industry in your geography. So it can be packaged in a few ways. One, we got to start with testimonials. So we got to ask for testimonials and feedback. I know a lot of shops do a good job with asking for Google reviews. That's really a testimonial. You can repackage Google reviews as a testimonial or ask for someone to provide two sentences on why they like working with you and make it easy on them. Give them a couple examples. Like you could use this, you could say this. So collecting testimonials is one because you can use them in a lot of different ways. You can use them in proposals. You can use them in prospecting. You can use them to, you know, just get, gain clout in the industry that they're in. Um, the, the second way to package this, uh, you, you'll like this one, Steven, the, the show me, you know, me. We should make a shirt with that. Show me, show, show me, you know me. me, you know me. 
So use this peer influence to say something like, especially when we're going outbound and prospecting, um, I hear a ton of shops targeting breweries. So say something like, you know, I talk to tap room managers literally every day. And my sole goal is focusing on helping them make retail merch as seamless as possible. And I want to see if we might be able to do the same for you. Can we set aside some time to talk about that? So show me, you know me, show me that, you know, my role, what I do, what I deal with and how I manage my day to day. It could be, you know, uh, you know, I work with the vast majority of the larger construction companies in plug in your city. And we know what you all care about in trying to find really durable uh, goods and uh, uniforms that that last a long time that you don't have to keep ordering to making the ordering process really easy and streamlined. Can we talk about what you're doing today and see if I might be able to help you as well? So using peer influence, especially from an outbound perspective, show me, you know, my business, what I do, what I care about and what's important. Did you, Steven, did you do that in the Greek? I feel like you naturally maybe did this in the Greek space without knowing it. Yeah. When we started working with the national fraternities, we had a couple under our belt and literally my emails would then be like, this is what we do. This is what we're great at. I've spent countless hours with them, you know, making this great can we do this for you? Kind of like, give me a shot. Let me actually, let me actually show you what's up. Bruce, you do this too. I mean, you're in hundreds of shops doing tours and that's how you build credibility to say like, Oh, like they can do that for me. Right. It's the same thing. I think. Right. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. I do feel like the first maybe year it feels so stupid to just pick the little niche and, and almost turn other stuff away or say like we, we personally, so we had signage customers coming in. We had, you know, engraving, we had all kinds of different people that you did decoration of some sort of substrate. Um, and then eventually we said, look, you, you really need to be focused on apparel or else this is not good. And that was negative turn down accounts, um, didn't make sense, but then made sense when the momentum built after a couple of years. So it's like, you know, you guys started to dominate. They heard this house hears or this licensee hears and this one hears that you're the guy. And it's like that, that moss ball builds. So Kevin, okay. There's a lot of shops out there that say, well, we print for everyone. Right. Um, but you don't necessarily have to market to everyone. I think is what you're getting totally. at, right? Totally. And even those shops that would say we print for everyone, I bet they do have one or two industries or markets that they play better in that are hmm. larger deals with more profit that they would want more business of. I still think you're going to find that they have a target. So it's, it's but yeah, not, that doesn't mean that that's all you can do. It's, it's now use that to your advantage to try to drive more business from that specific industry. Yeah. It's, it was really hard for us to kind of shut off the other channels and be like, yeah, we're, we're going to do PTO, but that's not what our sales team's focused on whatsoever. You know, um, there was kind of a, a point where, where like I had to say, no, we're not going to market to that. And people be like, but, but what, what about it? What about it? What about it? And you almost have to be like stubborn about it a little bit. I feel like, yeah, but I don't think a lot of shops are in that situation, right? Like they're not in the situation where they're so niche focused as you are that, that they're turning stuff down. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't see that as as pretty commonplace. But even your website, right? If you said you're a brewery, you focus on breweries like Bruce, when we talked to that shop that just focuses on like muscle cars, mm -hmm. right? They got really, 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 website really is the whole website. So you can really cater your website. And, yeah. 
yeah, your website, your case studies, you know, have if, if it's breweries or if it's bands, your whole website should be focused on those. Right. And it and it doesn't have to be the whole website. It can be like customers or markets served or industries served. And it can be a drop down of different areas. I think that's like from a marketing perspective, the holy grail of having a drop down of breweries. And then it takes you to a page with case studies and testimonials and sample sample stuff you've printed. Right. Um, there, there's a lot of options here. But yeah, show me, know me, know your niche, exploit your niche. What was the shop, Stephen? We talked. Gosh, I can't believe I forget it. They do just boosters. Like just fundraisers. Yeah. I mean, I, I came across one called B graphics actually, um, just from doing this, uh, Ingsoft testimonial and they, their website is really focused on fundraising and even finding your other online stores, which is interesting because it's kind of like a testimonial in a way. Cause you could see other people and what their stores are and how it looks. Um, can we piggyback that into asking for referrals? That's something big that you, you work on with our team. How, how do you do it? What's the cadence of it? Is it tracked? Tell us about referrals. All right, real quick, I got to tell you something. This is really interesting, and here's why. We formed a company called Inktavo. You may have heard of it, but it has three different brands right now, Printavo, Inksoft, and Graphics. So we're all sister companies now, a big happy family. What we're able to do is Printavo's managing your shop management and workflow organization. Inksoft can run your website and handle online stores at scale. So running multiple different stores for fundraisers, schools, um, company stores, and everything in between. And Graphics Flow is a brand new product to be able to help reduce all the back and forth with art. So it has a huge art library that you can put on your website so customers can see and pluck what they want. Plus, you can also be able to collect different ideas and send them to customers to approve as well. Really, really cool. Plus, in-app editing. It's like Canva, but specifically for shops. All right, check it out. All those brands are on inktavo.com. That's inktavo.com. All right, thanks. Yeah, let's let's talk about timing first. It's like, that's often what I get asked. Like, when should we ask for it? In my opinion, it's like always. It's like early, often, when you perform well, when they have shirts in hand, when you hit a deadline, when you agree to discount and negotiate on price. It's like any of those times are great times when they're happy, I think the best time is when they get merch and they're really excited about the end product. Like that's the time to strike, like the honeymoon phase of when they, they get shirts in hand. Um, so I think timing is important, but, but it doesn't have to be one of those times. It can be any time to, to ask for referrals. So is that something you automate and you attach to a zap that says, Hey, we just finished your order. Do you know anyone that needs merch or is that a personal like call? What does that look like? Yeah, it's uh, I don't think it's something that you automate. This is a pretty asking for that person to connect them with someone in their network and make that that mutual connection. I think that's a pretty personal ask. And I don't think that should be automated at all. Um, if 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 it's in person versus phone versus email, like not a lot of shops are doing it well. So like do whatever you're comfortable with. But I would say in person or phone is best because it's way harder to brush you off. Fall on email as a last resort. I'm curious what other industries are good at referrals? Software, tech, insurance, financial services. Yeah, yeah. People are always asking you, who else do you know? Um, appliance sales, like there is car sales. There's so many like industries. Realtors are great, you, you know, yeah. What's that company? I think, it, is it Northwestern Mutual? That's like yeah. part of their sales program is learning how to ask referrals. Like, oh, you might not need life insurance, but... 
Can you connect me to a couple of people that do? Yeah. And, and that's when you start at Northwestern Mutual or Northwestern Financial now, whatever, they make you come like with your list of 50 friends and family that could potentially use financial services. Like that's in their first, their first day of work. So I think, I think the biggest, the biggest point with, um, the biggest sales hack with referrals is specificity in the ask being really specific at who you're asking for and what you're asking for. So I would, I would typically ask, let's say I'm talking to a marketing manager for a brand. I would say, um, do you know or, or network with other marketing managers? So I'm asking a question that I'm likely going to get a yes answer to. They've already said yes. Like, it's hard to say no for that. No, like there's not a lot of people that don't network or aren't connected with people similar in their role. And then uh, from there, just ask, would you mind providing me with contact information or connecting us via email? I'd love to see if we can help them in the same way that we're helping you. Kevin, you just glazed over something that I think a lot of salespeople don't know. You said asking a yes question. Can you go into that really quickly for like one minute? Yeah. So um, the the psychology behind that is when you have people start saying yes, they say yes more often. So if I want someone to say yes to something, I might ask a question or two that they're definitely going to say yes to to warm up and keep them thinking about psychologically. They're saying yes, yes, yes. And then get into that. Um yeah, I, I, I don't know if that's super critical here, but I like it. I think it's going to warm it up better. Um, but yeah, getting this, getting the ask, hey, do you, do you know other people? Would you be open to either connecting us or passing on their contact information? And then just be quiet. Let them, let them talk. Love it. It's, it's hard to do, but no, that's, that's a really good skill. And it's like we know we know that we do a really good job. Like, right. Like we know our clients like us, why not make the ask? Like, and people want to help people. Most people are really good natured and want to support and help other people. Like the likelihood of them saying, no, absolutely not. I'm not going to connect you with anyone is almost zero. What about, um, this is something I don't see a lot of shops doing. If any hiring an appointment setting service. Ooh. What do you mean? If shops want to go outbound, that's usually when they come to me. It's like, hey, you know, we're yes, we've got this organic inbound word of mouth referral business building uh, sales strategy, but we now want to go out and actually own outbound. Um, usually they got to like either they themselves, the shop owner, or the current team in place has to do it or they have to hire someone to go out and do it. Another alternative to that is to hire an appointment setting service or a door opening service. Just someone that can come in and set meetings for you. Because like in my experience, like it's a lot of shops struggle with that going outbound. And like there's a lot of stuff that they need to put into place before they go outbound. And we, and we can get into those, de those details. But ultimately, it's hard. It's like going outbound. It's high rejection. It's monotonous. It's arduous. It sucks, right? So why not just hire a lead gen company and pay them to set appointments for you? Mm -hmm. So right before this, I went on chat GPT and just looked up the largest appointment setting services in the US. So like market star sales roads, Callbox, the appointment group, there is a whole bunch of companies that do just that you pay them usually per appointment. And they'll you'll give them your contact list, you'll give them your targets, and you'll just say, Hey, set meetings for me and you pay them per appointment. The deals that you're going to get are going to be less margin, right? Because you got to pay for the meeting. But again, if we're confident at keeping our customers and doing a good job for them and getting repeat orders, why not pay for the meeting up front? So, okay. So how this would play out, I would scrape my Printavo customers. I would give them to this setting, this 
service. They would connect to one of my calendars. I would give them the script and then I'm paying, what am I paying per meeting? $10, $30? What do you, what is it normally? It all, it all depends on the company. So I've used almost every software or tech company that I've been involved in. We've used appointment setting services to either try new markets or, um, or to help grow and expand when we couldn't hire, like if hiring was tough. Um, it's not necessarily current customer base. I think for this, it's probably more like net new business. So you're buy a lead list and give it to them or, you know, some services they'll, they'll provide that lead list and say, all I want to do is call construction companies, breweries, and churches in these five zip codes. That's it. Go. And I want meetings with these types of people. So there's some door opening services that are super sophisticated where they're going to put an experienced business developer on it. They're going to help you build scripts. They're going to combine email with calling. And then there's other ones that are just going to like offshore it, have someone not from this country call and just set, set a meeting. You're going to pay a lot less for, for the latter. So, so it just depends. You might pay, I don't know, two, three thousand dollars a month for something like this. But I think what you're saying is you're going to get 30, 40 meetings. You're going to convert 10 of them. It's going to turn into 40 grand of sales, right? Are these existing customers though? Or no, no, you're, you- you're calling net new. I mean, or if you want to, you can have them call current customers, but that's easy. That's a warm call. Why don't I have my customer service or inside sales folks doing that work? I would want them calling cold outbound. So your model that you mentioned there, Stephen, was like a monthly subscription where you pay for the month. I like a model more of like pay for performance. So trying to find one of these companies that pay just by meeting every qualified meeting you set for me, I pay you, you know, a certain amount. And what is the like presentation or pitch? It's about the company. Are you doing a little research to say, but they're just setting up the meeting. No, no, no. I mean like, yeah, for like you, let's say you're now in the meeting with, uh, I don't know, some construction company locally now. Uh, it's, these are the services we can offer you at, as your employees or you, I mean, I'd have to go through some training with Kevin first for that. I'm just kidding. I mean, all, <laughs> all, so I'm going to give that appointment setting service, a super basic script. And it's similar to what I said before, you know, we work with construction companies. We work with the majority of the large ones in this city. We want to see if we can help you in the same way we're helping them. Can we set up some time Tuesday at nine? And all they're doing is setting the meeting. And then our team members, the shop team members are the ones that are running that. So you don't have to arm them with much. You need to arm them with an, a call opening script, essentially. It's, it's interesting. It's like you got to the um, I don't know what this would be in a T-shirt. You got to you got to invest to grow, you know, like the, an invest to grow mindset. Like, why not pay and try try this out? Yeah, we did this when we were painting houses. We would go door to door and we would get our leads that way. But then we had, uh, we called it the shark tank and they would just call in the background. And if an appointment was set, we had like something like 12 hours to contact and and make sure we we got in their house or something like that. Um, It would be also interesting if shops use this to grow a different segment of their business. So say you were big in screen printing and you wanted to get big in promo products, you could just have them call and say, you know, I'm Steven from Campus Inc. And just want to let you know, we now have promotional products. And I'd like to teach you about that. Can we set up a time to to meet with you on just promo? So call the current customer base. Yeah, could be a different vertical too. Um, Another another one that we had on here that ties to this is like, a lot of shops want to go outbound. Like my hack here is like dip your toe and start outbounding your current customer base first. Like, Most shops have hundreds, if not thousands of people that they've worked with. Some haven't ordered in a year. Some haven't ordered in six months. Some have only ordered one time. 
there's a lot that goes into building an outbound campaign. You got to download a lead list. You got to usually buy some sort of tech to store leads and manage the leads like a CRM, right? You got to get some automation in place to hit them heavily and automate and not have to do manual outreach, right? And then you got to do it. And again, what I just mentioned is shops usually fall short on like the execution of that outbound strategy, like actually doing the hard blocking and tackling of going outbound and making cold calls. So if you want to do that, why not start with your current customer base, bucket them, maybe it's people that ordered within the last three months, people that haven't ordered in six months, people that haven't ordered in a year, or they've only ordered once and build some targeted campaigns to those folks. And it can be about other services that you provide. It can be about the length that it's been since they ordered, you know, the, uh, I've, I've talked to a couple shops that have done this, like the 11 month mark of their order, they're getting notifications where they're reaching out. Hey, you ordered from us a year ago. Is this, do you need to reorder, right? Like building some campaigns to, to go more outbound with their current customer base before they go full blown and outbound. And, and what I'm hearing, Kevin is trying to go outbound. There's something about high velocity, right? Like you have, you can't just call 10 people a day. It needs to be like, you know, 50 or a hundred or something in order for the system to try and like for something to stick. Does that? Yeah, for, for sure. Like that I've talked to way too many shops. They're like, yeah, we tried outbound. It just didn't work. And I ask them like a dig deeper and they, I find out that they sent like two or three targeted emails. It's like that, that's not going to result in anything, right? Like all the data now is showing that it takes like 12, 13, 14 touches for someone to remember your name, your company and what you all do. Like that's a lot. And it can't just be a call or it can't just be a couple emails. In my, in my opinion, it should be a creative mix of calls, emails, LinkedIn, texts, like a lot of data now is coming with cell phone data. Like there's no reason why we shouldn't be texting as well. So that creative mix of outreach with a lot of touches, multiple campaigns, right? Can't be just one little, little campaign if you want it to work. You know, uh, I think this relates to getting this done or implementing this along with other practices. But Stephen, you've got here um, making the sales org slash team stick. Um, can you explain a little bit more about what you mean by that? Okay, so I definitely have struggled um, and, you know, trying to transition a current employee from inbound to outbound is really hard. And then trying to get an employee to do some inbound, some outbound, basically turns into them just doing inbound. <laughs> uh, because it's easier, right? It's easier. And so what we've what we're learning how to do is build a true sales organization. And that means defined roles with individuals that strictly do certain things. Um and that means to build out a true sales org might be a couple people. I think shops get stuck in building a sales org because they try to have one person do too much. I know, Kevin, you've met with a lot of shops. Can you talk a little bit about this? Yeah, it's uh, it's like how to get a, a sales org structured, how to get it to stick. There's just there's a lot of components that go into it. You mentioned roles and responsibilities. I think we talked about in part one, like specialization, if someone's good at going out finding that business, closing the deal, like let's have them do that all the time, not have them support customers, account manage inside sales. So I, I do think the responsibility and specialization of those roles and responsibilities is, is critical. Um, I usually find lack of process, like there's no definition on like how a, an opportunity is ran 
from initial outreach or initial touch all the way through to close? Like what are the steps that we follow or like what's our sales process? Shops have SOPs for everything, right? But when it comes to sales, there's nothing in place. So I, I do think having a defined process is one thing to like make it stick or how to make that, that org or, um, yeah, sticky. What were you going to say something, Steven? Yeah, I was going to say, so like if we could bucket some of those activities, right? So I think like bucket number one of sales activities is just prospecting. Prospecting, like, outreach. Yep. And yep. so, you know, for us, one activity we have is just creating leads lists and then just sending initial contacts. And that's like one role, right? Um, then the next role would be more like actually meeting with clients and actually trying to close the order, if that makes sense. Right. So you would yep. call that what an account executive or an account manager an Account executive that's going to take them from initial conversations through to close. So okay. through to, they said, yes, we got an order. So a sales development representative is that initial part, which is the grunt work. The account executive is doing the, the, the initial pitch or the, or the sorry, once they get a, a lead, that's an opportunity. They're actually trying to work on it. And then once they're closed, then they're now to an account manager. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's usually how, in, in my opinion, the best way to structure this would be like an account manager, customer success manager. Um, if, if anyone's interested in this, the book Predictable Revenue really um, structured this. And I was like a decade ago, it's been updated a little bit, but like that, that was like, that's the sales book. And if you ask most entrepreneurs, early stage, even tech, it's like Predictable Revenue was their, their book. It was my Bible when I was building sales orgs early. I still use that like pod structure of SDR, account executive, sales development rep, account executive, account manager. Um, yeah, the Aaron Ross was one of the first VPs of sales at salesforce.com. He's the one that, that coined this and built this. I just think the specialization of that works really, really well. And then if you think about sales process that falls into those buckets, so a, a normal sales process is five, six stages, prospecting, discovery, solution overview, close customer support, strengthening the relationship, whatever those buckets are. And the individual team members are taking those individual stages and running with all the tasks and activities and following the best practices of, of each stage in the sales process. Bruce, Bruce, could you talk about Printavo early on and where you, when did you like hire for those roles? Cause I feel like you built it over time, maybe some parts too late, but like remember onboarding and, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I'm, I'm listening to this and it feels uh, you know, if you don't have a sales team or maybe you have one person, it feels overwhelming to have those three different parts. What, what we personally did and what made me feel more comfortable about it is creating an actual like model for a sales rep. So basically the goal was to say hiring the sales rep is a profitable exercise. Hiring this called sales development rep you know, getting leads and setting appointments, uh, for, for, for work to do is a profitable process. Um, for example, with that one, I looked at and basically said right now, um, uh, the AE has, uh, let's call it three calls a day. All right. What if they could have six calls a day? Like what does that potential revenue look like? And then when does that revenue pay for that person's job? And then from there, do we have a profitable, you know, year based on that person? So let's say, you know, 12 months, if we can get there and they're trained in the first two months and we can get there and they're profitable within the first six, eight months or so, and the rest is gravy, 
then shoot, I need to find someone to do this. We found a sweet spot of like two um, of these SDRs. And then from there, there's uh, three to four account executives kind of running calls. But he, here's here's the, the tricky part I found is that if you didn't have the account executives who are running and doing quotes and trying to close the sales following up enough, you're actually losing um, you're losing a fair amount of business. And so there's this like weird balance of how much time they're supposed to be doing on new sales and how much time they're supposed to be doing on following up with existing work and older clients to close that work and pass it off to. So anyway, we haven't nailed that down, but that's where, and then of course, building out the, you know, a more so, account management team. So can we talk about payback period? Right. So I think you said something interesting there. You're going to have to put the cart before the horse, right? If you're going to hire a salesperson a little bit right? Is there a certain amount of revenue? Maybe Kevin, you can answer this for shops. How much revenue? When, when are you ready to hire the next person? How much upfront do you have to basically say, I have to hire someone and just kind of blow their salary for three months before they start actually returning? How does that work? You have to invest in it. The, The good thing is, is these aren't, these are revenue generating employees, right? And if they're if they perform successfully, they're going to pay back not only what that cost was to get them ramped up and to be successful, but like, that's why the most successful people are usually the highest, I'm sorry, the highest paid individuals at a company are usually the, the best salespeople because they're driving that much opportunity and revenue generation and profitability within the business. So I don't know, I, for most shops, I'd say like three to six months probably of eating that base. Um, the, the comp we talked about compensation a little bit, like it's important that they have a strong base where they feel comfortable, but the way that good salespeople make their money is through variable through commission. So, um, it's okay to make base for a little bit before they can get ramped up. Wait, that's, that's actually a really great question though, Steven, cause it's hard to calculate that. So how, like, how would you look at that for, is it a year by year basis and you're like filling up a bucket and then the rest is gravy after X time? And you start over in January? Oh, you look at their salary and what they cost the business, right? In relation to what your overall revenue is, right? And so the the easiest indicator we have is like, we look at headcount of sales generating people, revenue generating employees in our company. And then we look at what our total revenue is. And we just like divide that out to have like what our average, you know, average revenue per person is, right? And that's kind of like our, our baseline, Um, for us, you know, we want to see something like 10 times their salary is what they should be bringing in. And that's just like something that we kind of set up in total sales in, in total sales. Yeah. And so if, if they're a, you know, if after their year, they're going to make, you know, 70, $80,000, they should be bringing in seven to $800,000 a year. Um, and that makes sense for our business, right? Um, but you you can't really start to figure that out unless you're willing to just run it a little bit. You won't know the results of your experiment after one or two months, right? Like that's yeah, way too that's small. Sure. You think for three X? Like is that a like a starting point to say, look, this person, you know, okay. So if we said it takes a couple months for them to ramp up, right? They're not going to get it right away. But at the end of the year, they should have sold say five X their salary. 
And I know that they should be on X path every single month after a couple of month ramp up of learning the industry, learning the products and so on. And that's how I will know if they're on track or if they're way behind or not. Do you think five is reasonable? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I look at that contribution margin that we talked about in our in our thing is like, how much are they bringing to cover the expenses of the business? If in month one, they break themselves even, great. In month two, okay, they doubled that, sweet. So like, that's what I'm looking at is how much gross profit they brought in to our company. Um, and, you know, and then they know like what they're bringing to the table, right? When I'm doing this work for shops, usually we're backing into like what revenue number they'd want to, to add, like by bringing on a salesperson, what revenue number do I think is attainable based on the revenue that I generate and based on what I think someone could generate. We're taking that number now and we're backing that into, all right, all the metrics and the KPIs that are important for sales. So with that revenue, how many, how, what's your average job size? How many jobs would you need to quote? What's your you know close rate going to be for net new? How many meetings or net new people would you have to meet with to get that many deals? And then that drives into all the all the input KPIs, the calls, emails, texts, in store uh, in in person visits, right? To drive all that funnel, so it's it's backing into that really. I like that, and and obviously that you help them choose a reasonable, you know, l- let's say you're at a half a million in revenue, they want to hit a million in revenue. All right, so our delta is five hundred thousand. Uh, we're hiring one rep, you know, and then like you said, you break down the funnel, the sales funnel. What's the realistic time frame to get that, that, that person there? Yeah. The, and, and usually it's like a lot of shops have that one or two salespeople or revenue generating people. Like if you have it great, like you already know what it is and you can base it off of that individual. If you don't, and this is your first cold sales hire, it's gotta be a little bit of thumb in the air guessing and just trying and figuring out, is this the right number? How long is this going to take? It just, it also goes back to the importance of recruiting and hiring the right people, right? The right behaviors, the right personality. Like let's make sure that this person can come into a small entrepreneurial business and, and with not a lot of support and, and sell, you know? I think something um, that is important for shop owners to do, they have to be able to like show that success early on to their salespeople. Um, And they have to be able to close a job in front of uh, their salesperson so that their salesperson can really like believe it. Right. And I go back to when I painted houses, we would, you know, your first, we never considered a salesperson trained until their manager booked them three jobs in front of them. Right. And so something that we do quite a bit is if I get a lead that I source myself on LinkedIn, I will close it with someone else watching me and I will actually hand the commission to them and be like, here's my gift to you. And like, I didn't do anything on it. I'm like, that's OK. You saw me do it. Now you go out and do it. Right. And I think shop owners, you know, they just expect their salesperson to just like go out and do. You have to show them and almost like gift them. Um, and then in return, they'll kind of respect you a little bit. Um, I don't know. I think uh, I, lo- I love that. And most shop owners are their best salespeople, right? It's it's their business. Most entrepreneurs, CEOs, founders, it's like they're they're the best salesperson for their business because it's their business, right? But not a lot of them were trained in sales, sales in general, or especially sales leadership. So now it's like, how can you support that salesperson? That's why I think like all the stuff that we're talking about, how to like to make a sales org stick with process and the right roles and responsibilities and even tooling and technology, like different tech to help enable them and giving them like a leader and a coach. Like this, this is a lot more than just let's buy some leads and sell. 
Like there's a lot that goes into it, the sales org and a successful sales org um, that we should be thinking about. Do we have anything else? I mean, I think, uh, yeah, you, you, Kevin, you texted us. Kevin, you're working on yesterday. something. <laughs> and we didn't really, uh, and I was like, wait, what? So yeah, cat's out of the bag. I'm, uh, this kind of ties into everything that we were just talking about. I'm, I'm going to be announcing uh, sales.inc or sales inc probably over the next month. Um, putting some of the finishing touches on the program right now. Essentially, what I, what I want to build is like a sales support platform and coaching platform and community for shop salespeople specifically. So maybe like membership based resources, coaching support for the sales folks, not not for shop owners, for the people that are in in the trenches day to day selling on behalf of shops, because like as we've talked about, one thing that I've noticed is that shops have salespeople and sales teams, but often there's no sales leaders. It's often their shop owners that are supporting those folks and maybe they're not fully supported. Um, maybe that's not fair. Maybe they aren't coached and trained and they don't have the resources of an actual sales leader. Right. I just think back to, in my career, all of the coaches and sales leaders that I've had, they had such a huge impact on my success that I don't, I don't know. I just want to build something to do the same for shop salespeople. So, um, yeah, excited to informally slash formally announce it today, but, uh, cats out of the yeah. bag. If you go to sales.inc, damn, that's a good domain name. Where did you get that? These, do, these dot inc domain names. If you go to <laughs> sales, my... if you go to sales.inc right now, it actually goes to your website, uh, which is cool. Um, but, uh, it? it does, it does. Uh, but I wow. think what's cool is, uh, you've kind of turned into that for our shop and a lot of other shops. And then my employees will always ask like, Hey, can I set up a call with Kevin? Um, and so it's kind of cool that you're taking the model, um, and, and going to roll it out. Do you know how, when, how many shops you're going to invite to it? Um, I'll know within a month. Cool. I'll know within uh, a month. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta put some final touches on it, but yeah, I owe all of my success to Steven for buying me sales.inc a year ago or whatever it was. No, we've, okay. We've been wanting you to do this for a while, uh, which we're, ex we're excited about because I think anyone that gets to work with you is like, it's pretty sweet. And I think what's more valuable is when our team members get to work with you. Cause that means that I am less responsible. <laughs> yeah. And we have like, you know, I'm, I've been working with Steven for so long. So like I, his team and I will, we connect often and it's just like, we have really good conversations. And sometimes it's like things that they maybe won't feel they more won't comfortable tell me. coming to me with, than they would with Steven. You know, it's not their boss. It's like, it's a sales leader. It's a coach, right? That's um, yeah. That's the whole, that's the whole goal of this. So invite only limited. Other... It's going to be sick. We we started as well with you like way back, but mainly the reason was we didn't know what we didn't know. Like I felt like I was just tapped out with, hey, look, I don't know anymore that can potentially help with sales. And so this is how we got to the next level. So anyway, super excited to see what you come up with this. Obviously, keep us posted so we could talk about it and, and uh, click through it. I love spending this hour with you is, yeah, glorious. Best part of my day. All right, Kevin's going to go get sushi. I want to go Steven's surf. Steven's going to Orange Theory. Wait, what? Yeah, a little, little north wind. How cold is it right now? It's not that cold. The water? Yeah. Mid-40s. Kevin ah, surfs Kevin in Lake in Milwaukee, Michigan. By the way. 
for Kevin surfs. If you want to learn cold sales, go cold surfing. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you guys. We'll see you in the next print table pronouncers podcast. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. Hopefully that was informative. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to like, don't forget to hit the bell for notifications. If you enjoyed this video, if you enjoy all the stuff we're putting out, it's really helpful. We love to just be able to see it. That means that we're doing a good job to subscribe, hit the bell for notifications and hit the like button. And I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.